Well, let's turn in our Bibles to uh, Psalm 122. Psalm 122. I've given the sermon this morning the title, Joyful Gathering. Joyful Gathering. Because that's what this song is about. These songs of ascent tend to come in little clusters of three. And we see in the first one, Psalm 120, a man who's homesick, who's far away, or who feels far away from the people of God. He says, the people that I am amongst, they are for war, while I am for peace. And then in Psalm 121, he's traveling, he's journeying, and he's looking at the great mountains around him, and he doesn't find it comforting. He finds it frightening, because the mountains to him are places where there could be wild animals, there could be bandits, there could be all sorts of trouble. And so he's looking at the mountains and saying, where does my help come from? And he comforts himself and says, my help comes from the Lord, who's the maker of heaven and earth. And during, in fact, right at the beginning of uh, the lockdown period, uh, we looked at Psalm 121 with Johnny, and it was an appropriate psalm to consider as we were going through a difficult time. And so, Psalm 122, which is about the joy of arriving, the joy of coming out of a difficult time, is an appropriate song to be looking at as we come to this stage of things where we're able to meet again. We're not the whole way through, but we're at a, significant, at a significant point. And so we want to come and think about Psalm 122. Psalm 122 speaks about Jerusalem. And Jerusalem functions in three different ways in the Bible. It's a geographical place. It was the capital of Israel. Uh, it was where God made his, his dwelling amongst the people. So it was the center um, geographically, spiritually, economically of the country. So when we read about Jerusalem, it's very often referring to the geography of the place and to the capital city. But because God dwelt there, Jerusalem had a second significance. It's a picture of the church where God is in the midst of His people, where people who have been made right by sacrifice come and enjoy God's presence. And so, as we move into the New Testament, Jerusalem becomes a picture of the church. But that's not its, its sole significance. It has another significance as well. Because it's a picture of God being with His people, because it's a picture of God's forgiven people meeting their God and worshiping Him, Jerusalem, when we come to the end of the Bible, becomes a picture of heaven. And the Bible finishes uh, with um, chapter uh, 21, and it's saying that, Behold, I saw a new heavens and a new earth. And then he says, I saw the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem, coming down. And he says, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men. And, and so, here's 
we're going to be looking at this psalm that speaks about Jerusalem. But I want you to remember those three, three layers. Jerusalem, the place. Jerusalem, the picture, the picture of the church. And Jerusalem, the, 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 the picture of heaven. And as we keep those in mind, that'll help us. Let's go back to joy again. I want to think, first of all, this morning about the believer's joy. The believer's joy. There is a great sense of joy in the opening words. I rejoiced when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Had you a sense of joy whenever we sent out the message that said, look, we're going to be meeting on the 26th and we'll, we'll get to be together. It's been good to meet over YouTube. It's been good to come together over Zoom and to see each other. It's been great to do all of that. But nothing actually beats being together. And it was the same for these ancient Israelites. They were scattered throughout the length of their country. It's a very long country, and they were scattered up and down the length of the country. And then three times a year, they all came together for three great festivals. And so, as we think about the believer's joy, there's three aspects of it to, to, to note this morning. First of all, there's the joy of belonging. The joy of belonging. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet, our feet are standing in your gates, O Jerusalem. They're coming together. They're gathering together at Jerusalem. They've made this long, dusty journey through the, 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 the different valleys and up the hill to Jerusalem, and now they're arriving. And this man is looking round, and he says, this is the place where the tribes go up, the tribes of God. And he's seeing the people from Dan, the tribe of Dan, away up in the north. And he's seeing people from the tribe of Simeon away down in the south, and Gad, and Asher, and Naphtali, and Benjamin, and those from across the river, Gad and Manasseh. And he sees them. And he says, it's good to be together, he's saying. It's great to be together. God's people with their different regional accents, their different tribal dresses, whatever it is they're wearing. They're, they're, we're together here. And there was that joy of coming together, that joy of belonging to God's people, and that joy of being part of God's house. They said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And so there's a double belonging, the belonging to God and the belonging to a family. And that's true for Christ's people today. We belong to God. We have been purchased by Jesus Christ through His death on the cross, and if we've put our trust in Him, we belong to God, and we're part of His family. But we belong to each other. And it's, it's nice that we could worship over the internet. It's nice that we could see each other on Zoom and have a bit of chat and discussion, a bit of crack and poke fun at each other and all of that. But it's just much better to be able to come together and to see that we belong, people from different nations and different backgrounds and different cultures, and yet we're part of God's family. See new 
members of the family. I don't think, was Daniel born? No, he wasn't. Oh, Daniel. Welcome, Daniel. Oh, we forget that we've seen him lots in Zoom, but here he is at church together with us. It's great. So, here's this joy of belonging. And that's part of our joy, is to realize that we are part of something big. We are in our own separate little places throughout the week. We, we may be in work environments, or in family environments, or neighborhood environments, where we are the only Christian, or one of very few Christians. But we get to come together and see that we're not on our own. We, we get to come together and see that, although there may be very few people you know, even as we watch the news, Christian values are being pushed down, and they're being mocked and ridiculed, and uh, we can be made to feel as if we are wasting our time, as if we're in a minority, and we come to church, and we see a group of others, and we realize that we're not. And we realize that there are other Christians that we know and love who are meeting together this morning. And we get a greater sense of that as we gather together than we do when we're sitting in our own homes. And so, there is a joyfulness to gathering. There is a joyfulness to gathering. And then there's secondly, there's the joy of celebrating. The joy of celebrating God's work. And that's what we see them doing in Jerusalem when they as we see them doing in Jerusalem when they went up for the feasts. They were going up, the psalmist says, to praise the name of the Lord, verse 4, according to the statute given to Israel. To praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. God had commanded that the people gather together. In Exodus Uh, 23, verse 14, God says that they're to gather together three times a year. And why are they to gather together? They're to gather together to celebrate. And they were gathering to celebrate the Passover, which remembered God's great rescue from Egypt. They were gathering to celebrate the, the, what's called the Feast of Ingathering, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Pentecost, where it celebrated the end of the harvest and God's great provision. God had said He would bring them into a land where He would provide for them, and they were celebrating every year how God had kept His promise and God had provided for them yet again. And the third one was the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths. And it came after the Day of Atonement. The great sacrifice for sin was offered. And then the people camped out. They camped out for a week as they worshipped God together. They made these little booths around Jerusalem, and they camped out together, and they celebrated that God had forgiven their sins. They celebrated the work of God And so, here's the people remembering the great foundational realities of their faith. We have a God who frees us from slavery. We have a God who forgives our sins. We have a God who brought us home and provided fully for all our needs. That's the sort of God we have. He's the God who works and the God whose work we celebrate. And that's why we come together. We come together to be reminded of the work of God, 
how He's rescued us, how He provides for us, how He's forgiven us. And yes, we can do that at home, but this psalm and the whole of Scripture sees God's people not as little isolated individuals, but as part of His family. And we can't be together all day, every day, but we're to, get, we're to gather together. And the people of Israel were to gather together three times a year for these great festivals. And now God says, come together every week. Come together every week so that you can celebrate together the work that I've done, so that you can remember it together, because we tend to forget. And it's good to be reminded. It's good to have somebody preaching to us about what God has done so that we can remember it and remember it together and speak about it together. So there's the joy of celebrating God's work. That's what happens when we come together. The joy of belonging, we're reminded of that. We're reminded of celebrating God's work. And there's another aspect to God's work here. Look at verse 5. There the thrones for judgment stand. They're the thrones for judgments. And I think, what's that there for? That's a strange thing to have in a song about celebrating going up to Jerusalem to God's house to worship Him. But in going to Jerusalem, they also were going to the place where the king ruled, and the king was the one who had human final authority, and they could bring their cases to Him. So, if you had been in your little village away up in the north, or in your town away down to the south, or across the river, and there had been injustice done to you, you came to the Jerusalem, and you came to God's city, where God's King was to rule according to God's rules, not according to any biases or favorites that He might have, but He was to rule justly under God, and you came and you got justice done. And when you were coming up to Jerusalem to the feasts, you were reminded, there's the king. He was maybe at the city gate, sitting in court, as we read uh, of Absalom doing, sitting at the city gate. People would come from the country, and Absalom would say, bring your case to me. Bring your case to me, and I'll see that you get justice. Now, Absalom was up to all sorts of no good there, but there's, that was expected that the king or his princes, his sons, would be at the city gate dispensing justice. Justice would be done. Things would be put right. And as we gather together in God's place, we are reminded that the judge of all the earth is going to one day put everything right. And it's great to be reminded of that. We come here, and life can seem hard and difficult. It can seem unfair, and things can have happened to us that we can't undo that we wish were different. And we're reminded here that there is a God who's on the throne who will one day make everything right. And we come and we celebrate God's work, God's work of rescue, but also God's work of restoration when everything will be justly dealt with. The believer's joy, the joy of celebrating God's work. And then there's a third aspect to the believer's joy. There's the joy of anticipation. Here's that, that third layer of Jerusalem. As the people came to, together and gathered there, they knew they weren't simply thinking about, here we all are here. 
they knew that all of this pointed forward to a time when everything would be made new. Whenever God would remove sin, when God would remove sickness and death and pain and suffering. And as they gathered, they were looking ahead to that great day. And so, whenever we gather together, part of our joy is that we are this gathering here. Odd though it is to be spread out like this, small though it is, this gathering is a little anticipation of a bigger gathering where there will be people from every nation, tribe, and language, and we will gather together around the throne of God. Revelation chapter 6 and 7 speak of there's 12,000 from this tribe and 12,000 from that tribe, 12,000 from that tribe. And then it speaks of this great numberless multitude of people from every nation, tribe, and language. And it's picturing a scene that Jerusalem couldn't hold, but that heaven will, of all of God's people gathered. Some of us have been at conferences where there have been hundreds, maybe even thousands of Christians, and you look around and you go, wow, that's a little taste of heaven. And every Sunday, there is an opportunity to anticipate heaven as we gather. As we gather, we're anticipating being in God's presence forever with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and that should give us joy. And so, joyful gathering. Joyful because it tells us we belong. Joyful because it tells us that we're rescued and one day everything is going to be made right. And joyful because it fills us with anticipation. Here's the joy the believer has when we come to gather. Secondly, I want us to think about the Savior's joy. The Savior's joy. There's a, a great song that Johnny Cash sings. He didn't write it. It's called Hurt. It was written by another songwriter. But whenever Johnny Cash covered it, he added to it such a depth of pathos and meaning that you would have thought the song was written precisely for him. Um, and there's another song that Depeche Mode wrote uh, called Personal Jesus. It's, it's slightly mocking and scornful, but Johnny Cash covered it, and when he covered it, it was as if it had been written for him, and he invested it with depth and meaning that the song didn't have originally, so to speak, because he was speaking about a personal Savior, his Jesus. And so it is, in a sense, with Psalm 122. Although it was written by David, and it meant something for David and the people he wrote it for as they traveled to Jerusalem, it wasn't written for those people, although it was written for them, if that's not a puzzle. But as the Holy Spirit oversaw David writing it for this group of people, the Holy Spirit had someone else in mind another Jewish man who would sing this song, another Jewish man who would be traveling to Jerusalem and who would say, they said to me, it made me glad, let's to the Lord's house go. The song was written for Jesus to sing. It was written for Him to sing as He would travel to Jerusalem to go up to the feasts, but in particular as He would travel up 
to Jerusalem to give his life so that you and I could belong, so that you and I could celebrate God's work, so that you and I could have the joy of gathering and anticipating a much greater, richer gathering. And I want us to think about the Savior's joy. Think of those three layers that we spoke of. There's the the Jerusalem layer, the the geographic layer. There's the the church layer. And then there's the, the layer of heaven. And we want to take those and think about Jesus' joy. I want to think, first of all, of his past joy. Think of him singing these words. He's traveling up to Jerusalem. And he says, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let's go to the Lord's house. He rejoices whenever he thinks of going up to praise God for his great work of salvation that the feasts pictured. But think of it. The feasts were like when you go to the cinema and there's a trailer for the full film that's coming out next month. The feasts were like a little trailer, a little excerpt that pointed forward to the full feature-length film that was coming when Christ would come. Each of the feasts pointed forward. He was the Passover lamb who would be sacrificed. His blood would, would mean that death would pass over us and it wouldn't damn us forever. That was what the Passover signified. It signified to the rescue from slavery. He was the one who was going to bring about the rescue from slavery. It would be his blood that would mean that death would lose its sting. And then he was the the sacrifice of atonement that would bring forgiveness for the sins of his people. And he was the one who would dwell with us. And he was the one who, at the great feast of harvest, when they celebrated all that God would provide, it pointed forward to him the bread of life that God would provide so that we could live forever. And all those feasts that were being celebrated in Jerusalem, every single one of them pointed to Jesus. And he says, I am glad to go to Jerusalem. I'm glad to go to physical, geographic Jerusalem because God is going to work there, and God is going to rescue from slavery there, and God is going to forgive sin there. And he says, I am glad to go there. But he's going to Jerusalem to stand before a throne of judgment. And for nobody else, like like nobody else, that line in verse 5 spoke of a terror that we can't begin to imagine. He was going to Jerusalem to stand before the throne of Pilate, but ultimately before the throne of God to face the judgment that his people's sin deserved. And he says, I'm glad to go to Jerusalem. I'm glad to go. I'm glad to go to do all the things that all those feasts and festivals pointed to. I'm glad to go and stand before the throne. I'm glad to go. I'm glad to go, look at verse 6 and 7 and 8, I'm glad to go to bring peace to my brothers and to my friends, and for the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I'll seek your good, your prosperity. His past joy, his past joy was, was to go to Jerusalem, to lay down his life, to rescue a people, 
to bring forgiveness to us so that we could belong, so that we could celebrate God's saving work, so that we could anticipate everything being made new. His past joy was to go to Jerusalem. His present joy, his present joy, the next layer, the church, his present joy is to see you and me gathered here today and to worship him and to celebrate what he did. He loves to see his people gathering. In Matthew 18, he says, even if there's two or three, I'll be there with them. If there's only two of my people, I'll be there. I'm going to be. When my people gather, Jesus Christ is God and He is everywhere. But in a special sense, He says, when my people get together, you'll not stop me being there. I will be there especially, and I will be there to bless those people. In Psalm 87, the psalmist says that God delights in the gates of Zion more than all the tents of Jacob. And that's just a way of saying that God delights at what we're doing this morning, that we're gathering together as His people. He delights in that. We could say it warms His heart. Jesus has joy today to see you gathered here. It says to Him, that we value what He came to the cross to do. He, he came to the cross not just to save individual people, but to bring us into a, a family, to bring us to each other and to God. And when He sees us with each other, with God, He goes, that's what it's all about. And so as we gather here, odd and all as it is with these social distancing, our Savior is saying, yeah, this is what I came for, to rescue them and to bring them together. And when he sees us gathering, he says, I will bring my blessing to them. I will bring my blessing to them. His present joy. And then his future joy. Let's go to that third layer, the layer of I suppose what we call heaven, but what the Bible calls the new heavens and the new earth, and everything being made new. And Jesus has a future joy. He longs for His people to be with Him. In John 17, 24, He says, Father, I desire that those You have given me may be with me where I am. Those, plural, those, my people, I want them to be with me where I am. He longs for us to be together with Him. In, in this third picture that Jerusalem paints for us of all things being made new, of God dwelling with His people, and there being no more tears, and no more sorrow, and no more suffering, and no more sickness, and no more death, Jesus says, I long for that to be the case. It's His future joy in Revelation 19. It's pictured as being His wedding feast. A friend of mine, his son, got married this week. I know I'm old now because I remember when the boy was born. Um, and he was a little toddler when I was doing my placement as a ministry student, and now the guys got married. But, you know, the joy that that couple had on their wedding day, we were watching it on Zoom. You know, that's just a little picture of the joy that Jesus has 
or is anticipating having when his people are gathered with him on that future day. And today is a little picture of that for him. It's a little, a little taster for him where he says, yes, one day all of these people here, my people, will be with me. I can't wait. Do you see our Savior's joy at what we're doing as we gather? So, the believer's joy and the Savior's joy. So, let's just finish quickly with four applications. One, that means we should gather. Gather as much as we can, as often as we can. Sometimes we think, oh, you know, I don't feel like church today. Let's gather. Sometimes that's what you've been feeling, and you've come and gathered anyway, and you've been with God's people, and you've known something of God's blessing. Let's gather, gather. And then secondly, expect. Well, as we think of gather, don't let anything hold you back from gathering with God's people on God's day. So, like, let's gather. Secondly, expect, expect, expect that Jesus will be present to bring strengthening, encouragement, blessing to you as you gather with His people. Expect Him to be delighted that we are gathering together and to be present with us. Expect. Thirdly, protect. Protect. Do you see the great desire of the psalmist? Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for the peace. May those who love you be secure. For the sake of my brothers and my friends, I will say, peace be within you. Our Savior is, is keen and eager and praying for the peace of the church. And we should do all we can to protect it. It would be easy. And I see, I see Christians having debates and sometimes very heated debates on Facebook and in other places about circumstances to do with this whole coronavirus. And there's the potential for churches to be divided, and Satan would be quite happy for the church to meet again, only so that we can fall out with each other. They're wearing a mask. They're not wearing a mask. They're doing this. They're, doing, they're standing too close. They're, you know, they didn't come. They did come. They, you know, anything that he could get us to fall out about He'll want us to fall out about it. So let's do all we can to protect this precious gathering of Christ's blood-bought people. Let's pray for the peace of the church, our own fellowship, and the wider, the wider Christian church. And then, fourthly, gather, expect, protect, anticipate. 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 You know, you've seen those, those, those great pieces of footage on the internet uh, or in the news of uh, grandparents meeting their grandchildren for the first time in four months, and they run to each other and they embrace, and the delight that's there. Imagine something of that as Christ returns and makes everything new and sees as we're in the flesh and we see Him, our, our Savior, and He sees His brothers and sisters, as we meet physically for the first time. You know, yes, we've been able to communicate by Zoom and see each other by Zoom and get a glimpse, but it's, it doesn't beat meeting together and seeing each other in reality. And so it is, in a sense, with Christ. We come to church, and we, we get glimpses of Him in His Word. We get glimpses of Him in the sermon, glimpses of Him in each other. But it will be nothing compared to actually meeting Him 
And so come to church anticipating that day when we meet Him, when we meet Him face to face. Let me just ask you, will you be there on that day when we meet Him? We have that opportunity still. If we haven't yet come to Christ and put our trust in Him, you're here today, He's here today. Why not ask Him to be your Savior? He went to Jerusalem with joy to go to the cross so that you could have a Savior and have salvation. He's present here today And you can ask Him to be your Savior if you haven't yet done so. Let's stand as we come to God in prayer. Let's pray. Father in heaven, how we thank You for the joy that we have of gathering together. And Lord, sometimes it just seems so ordinary to us. So help us to see that it, that it has in it the joy of belonging that there is for us the joy of celebrating Your work, and there is this looking forward to what is yet to come, that gathering that will blow our minds because it will be so astonishingly beautiful and spectacular and perfect. Let there be a glimpse of that when we gather together. And Father, we thank You for our Savior who went to Jerusalem with joy to lay down His life so that we could belong. We thank You for our Savior who is present this morning and who enjoys us gathering together and who enjoys being with His people and in mysterious ways brings blessing to each of His people as we meet. And we thank You, Lord God, for His anticipation and His longing for the day when we will meet with Him fully and finally face to face. And we long for that day, Lord God. And so, Lord God, we thank You that we can gather and we pray that You would fill us with a, a, a longing to gather more and more and to expect Christ to be present and to bless. We pray that You would protect our gathering together, and we pray that You would help us to anticipate that great and glorious final day when Christ returns, and we will gather, and it will be spectacular. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.